0: Uh, is to be uh, rejoicing uh, even in times of uncertainty. And tonight, as we look at Proverbs 11, beginning there in verses 9 through 11, I want us to consider this subject. I want us to think about uh, what it is to rejoice with the righteous. Uh, Look with me at verse number 9. It says, A hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. When it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoiceth. And when the wicked perish, there is shouting. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. I want us to really consider... Uh, six main headings tonight. A couple of these will be very brief. There'll be uh, one or two statements, but I want us to consider these six headings. First of all, or number one, hypocrisy destroys. Hypocrisy destroys. Number two, knowledge delivers. Knowledge delivers. Number three, righteousness prospers. Righteousness prospers. Number four, wickedness perishes. Number five, blessing exalts. And then finally, number six, evil corrupts. In these three verses, we have this appearance of all six of these headings. We see as Solomon continues to pen these words, uh, we understand that he's dealing with not new subjects, he's not dealing with uh, new uh, individuals. We've, we've read about the hypocrite before, we've, we've read about the wicked, we have read about the righteous. But I want you to notice and zero in on the, the, the environment that he's talking about here. He, he's, mentioning an enti- he's, he's mentioning a city, he's mentioning a city rejoicing. He's mentioning the city being exalted, and I thought it was pretty peculiar when you began looking at this that what Solomon is talking about is even in the public realm. uh, We often think about our lives as believers. We we consider our lives often, and we think about this idea that, uh, and I think it's wrong to think this way, that we have a private life and a public life. Our life as a believer is not public and private. it is It is our life, and our life in public ought to be the same life we have in private. But what he's really uh, drilling down to is what happens when you have a city that is ruled by the righteous as opposed to a city that is ruled by the wicked. Now today, in our society, we're hearing all about authority. We're hearing all about uh, governmental guidelines. We're hearing about what we can and cannot do. But I want you to notice that Solomon, as he writes here, he writes in a positive light what happens when things go well with the righteous. Now first of all, notice what he deals with here, this first heading, hypocrisy destroys. He says, a hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor. Uh, We're hearing today about how we are to be uh, good neighbors, uh, especially during this time. We're to look out for people who need something and to be a good neighbor. Notice what it says about the hypocrite. It says that the hypocrite destroys his neighbor. Now, we've defined a hypocrite previously in, in uh, other messages, but a hypocrite is somebody who pretends to have very high principles or somebody who pretends to have a, a personality that is uh, to be admirable. They, they claim to have high standards. They claim to have strong beliefs. They claim to have deep feelings, but in reality, their behavior suggests otherwise. That's what the hypocrite is. Now, hypocrites thrive on being able to deceive with flattery. They use flattering words. Now, we know that a lot of times flattery is just another word for lying to gain an advantage. Uh, That's the idea here. They're trying to draw another person into trusting them in order that they might corrupt them. Now, we can look at this in a couple of different ways. We know in the society that we live in, uh, it is possible for uh, the hypocrite to influence our thoughts, influence our, our desires, uh, but we also know that this is important to remember in the realm of our, even our doctrine, where we stand. Uh, We got to be careful that when a a person who uh, presents themselves as being someone who can be trusted, that sometimes hidden beyond all that or underneath all that is the hypocrite who is trying to draw us in. So hypocrites are trying to deceive. They're trying to bring themselves into your world. In other words, they do it very simple. Uh, They use uh, kind words. They use uh, speeches that might uh, impress us. But on the same token, when we're dealing with hypocrisy in the spiritual realm, we need to remember that false teachers work the same way. In other words, if I can bring in the idea or influence your mind to believe something that's false, then I can begin to bring down the very foundation of that doctrine. Now, you might say even at this point, what does this have to do with the city? And you'll see that in just a moment, how these thoughts are all connected. We know that if a a, a false doctrine gets into a local body or gets into our church, for example, we know that it can bring down the entire congregation if that heresy is allowed to take root. Now, remember that even in society, there are those who will attempt to flatter us with their words. They will claim to stand upon high principles. They will claim to say, this is what we're going to do. But notice what he says at the second part of verse 9. Again, we have these, uh, these comparing and contrasting. He says, the hypocrite destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. So notice how to avoid the hypocrite is by knowledge. Knowledge delivers. You, we've all heard the expression knowledge is power. To know something is to have the power to avoid the problem. To be saved from the hypocrite in the secular world and to be saved from the hypocrite even in the church world. It prevents us from being corrupted. It prevents us from being destroyed. And we, it keeps us from buying into the words of that individual's mouth. Now again, today, uh, it is difficult, I think more difficult than we're even willing to admit, to discern when someone is speaking with sincerity or is speaking with, a, with an intent to draw us away. Now, Tonight, we, we are around the Word of God, and we know that the Word of God is true. We don't have to struggle tonight and wonder, when I read a, a Bible verse, can I trust what's being read? Because we know Scripture is the only source of absolute truth. But think about it from the standpoint of this principle here, through knowledge shall the just be delivered. So Solomon is writing here that that those who are just, those who are the righteous, those who are in Christ, it is that very knowledge that delivers you from the hypocrite. What do we have knowledge of? Well, we have knowledge of the law in our world. We, We know the law. Now, you don't have to be a a child of God to know the law, but we also know the law of God, and the law of God warns us. It reminds us of what God requires. Now, when we have a knowledge of the law, the, the law, of course, is a schoolmaster, the Apostle Paul said, that leads us, it's our schoolmaster. It shows us the way, and of course, that leads us into the knowledge of the gospel. Now, what do we know about Christ? We know that Christ came not to put an end to the law, but sometimes we are led to believe that uh, somebody has missed it, that, that there's, there's a misunderstanding uh, of, of the law. Christ didn't come to end the law. Christ came to fulfill the law. He is the very fullness. And to know that power <clears throat> and to know the 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 knowledge of the gospel that's what we refer to as saving knowledge my saving knowledge is not just the knowledge that saves me for eternity it is saving knowledge that even even helps me in humanity when i look out on the landscape of the world today and i look out and i think about what's going on in the world it is my saving knowledge of the gospel my saving knowledge through christ that is guiding my life it's guiding the principles I am to view life through the knowledge of the gospel. I still see the value of the law. Now, I may not agree with every law that's written in society. But yet I recognize the knowledge of the gospel reminds me that every authority is God appointed. Romans 13 teaches me that. We're seeing recently over the last couple of few weeks, we're seeing people's response to authority or lack thereof. Now that's saving knowledge. Now we might make the argument, we might say, well, wait a minute, that person has false intents or they have bad intentions. Understand something, saving knowledge reminds me of the reality that when I look upon the landscape, I look upon what's out in front of me, I realize I can discern that which is right From that which is wrong. Now, when we have saving knowledge, this is this is helpful. When we have saving knowledge, that involves a knowledge of ourselves. Why is that important? It's important because when we, as believers, remember that we are descendants from Adam, we are descendants from the very uh, the first Adam, Adam's corrupt nature. Adam's condition when he fell, the plague of his heart, his incapacity to fulfill the law which Jesus Christ did. Adam was, could not atone for his sin. He tried to cover himself, but it was insufficient. Now again, why does this matter? Because Adam realized that he was insufficient of his own righteousness don't miss this, to justify himself before God. None of us can justify ourselves before God without or apart from Christ. So again, what does this have to do with living in society? Oftentimes, the the error that man makes in society is we we overestimate man's goodness. Now, goodness can be seen and goodness can be found. We can see good deeds. We can see good acts. We can see uh, leaders who are acting in good faith. But here's what we also see. We see a response to even good leaders being negatively spoken of by others, In other words, someone wants to do good, but there's somebody who is disputing their goodness and calling their goodness evil. And you say again, why does this matter? Because this is happening in our day and age today. We have people who are wanting to do good. Their intent is not to, uh, it's not a conspiracy to destroy you. One of the things that's bothered me recently is Uh, And again, we had to make the very difficult decision as a church to stop meeting together. There are churches, and again, uh, we are not, by according to the letter of the law, we're exempt from this. We could meet if we wanted to, but here's the reality: our leaders have told us this would not be wise. Now, I could I could be a fool and say, they're just trying to destroy me, or I could say, wait a minute. Here's somebody who's trying to do good. It would be wise for me to follow their lead. That's knowledge of the just. I'm not looking at them trying to destroy. I'm looking at them trying to protect. So what we understand here is that we we, we don't make that same mistake of overestimating good. But we do recognize goodness when it's being offered. And again, is it good for us to not be gathered as a church? No, there's, there are some negative consequences. There are some things that are going to require uh, us to, to, to make it a matter of prayer, and there are things that we as a church body, we are missing out on because of this. But saving knowledge tells me that there are people who want our good. Now, again, I'm getting to the point of why this is so important. So we have a knowledge of this. We have a knowledge of Christ. We have a knowledge of his offices. We have a knowledge of him as our Savior. We have a knowledge that he is our substitutionary atonement. We have a knowledge that his righteousness is perfect and excellent. We know that his sacrifice was complete. And through the knowledge of God... Or rather, we have our knowledge of God through Christ. What we know about God, we have through Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is operating in our life as a believer every single day, guiding us and giving us discernment. We read the word of God. We're able to discern that which is true from that which is false. So in short, here's what we have the knowledge of the just or the knowledge of the righteous is the very opposite of what the the matter of ignorance is or the matter of what is at the heart of error. Man is in error because he is devoid of the truth. Now, there are leaders all across our world, in our nation, in our towns, in our cities, that are not, they are not believers. But they have an intent of doing good. Now, what Solomon is writing about here is he's writing not about those types, he's writing about the people that are claiming to be doing good, but at the heart, what they're really doing is they're intending to deceive. Now, why it's important is because the body of Christ brings in this righteousness. Folks, it does matter, okay? It matters how the righteous respond in moments like this. It does matter. It matters if a church defies an order. Some, Some states have ordered churches to cease. And yet there are churches that have said, we will not listen to the order because you're trying to destroy us. No, they're trying to do good. Now again, every pastor has got to give an account for his own congregation and his own church. I understand that. But understand what's happening here. There are people who will rejoice with us when the righteous rejoice. Because when they see us continue to carry on, even in the midst of when we can't gather together, there is something powerful that happens. The church hasn't stopped. It's just taken on a different form for a little while. But do you know it's a good thing in society when the righteous are living the way they ought to live? We see this in verse ten. Righteousness prospers. Look what he says: "When it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoices." The city rejoiceth. What does it mean to go well with the righteous? When righteous people prosper. Now, this doesn't mean just financially. But when the righteous people are living according to the saving knowledge in which they have, everybody in that town, everybody in that city benefits from it. You say, I don't see the benefit. Listen, even in the very worst calamity, the very worst of times, when the public is going through a time of distress, when enemies rise up against Us. It does us well with the righteous when we stand and live what we believe. When it goes well, even the unrighteous are benefited by it. If you're anything like me, you've had a lot of time to think. And not necessarily structured thinking, but you've just had a little bit more time, maybe. And some of you say, well, oh, I haven't had any more time. I've been just as busy. And, and maybe that's true. But to some extent, we're thinking more now than we've been thinking. We're thinking more about the realities that... Uh, I know the conversations in our own house has been something like this. I never thought we'd see this. I never thought we would ever experience this. Uh, like, to me, this was always like a, a, a movie, Like, this only happened in Hollywood productions. You you don't shut down an entire city. You don't shut down an entire nation. It just doesn't happen. But then you begin thinking, okay, believers, it has happened. And now, what are we doing in this time? What are we doing in this moment? Now, I understand. I don't believe Solomon... Uh, necessarily had uh, what we're dealing with going on, but he is making the comment that when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. Now, I can assure you the whole city's not righteous. Solomon wasn't talking about an entire nation that was righteous, but he said when it goes well with the righteous, everybody benefits from it. Uh, There are times in our life when Things do go particularly well with us. Uh, Maybe we're going through a great time of joy. Our joy becomes infectious to others. There are times when we prosper uh, financially and honor, and every so often... Somebody, a believer, a just man or a just woman, a righteous man, a righteous woman, gets elevated into a place of authority. A place that is making decisions. Now think about that for a moment. Public officials, police officers are actually a blessing to a city. They're there to help. That ought to cause us as citizens of a nation to be joyful because the Bible tells us that when there are these things in place, that place, that city rejoices. If you want to turn over to Proverbs 29, verse 2, just one single verse. And I love this because he does make mention about the possibility of a righteous man being in a place of authority. Look what he says Proverbs 29:2 When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked, wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Now, make no mistake about it, there are places where the wicked have a foothold. There are wicked men, women that are ruling as authorities, and they are causing great harm. Now, folks, I want us to understand the reality of this this principle of when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. Listen, when when things go well spiritually with us, when things go well in our, our walk with the Lord, when we, are, when we are, are walking with God the way that we should, there are spiritual things that we increase in. We increase in our ability to show grace to other people. We increase in our ability uh, to show humility. And we even become more willing to yield to the authority in our life. Listen, believer, this is not the time for you to resist the authorities that are in your life. This is not the time for the church to rise up and say, here's where we're going to take our stand. We're going to revolt against the health professionals and we're going to revolt against the governor. We're going to revolt because we think they're trying to destroy us. Listen, with everything in my being, I believe that they are trying to do that which is good. Now, they may not all be righteous people, but you know scripturally the Bible talks about God can even take a man or a woman who is not a believer and use them to positively rule for his honor and for his glory. We used to have this argument that people said, well, I will submit once we have a a believer in believing governor or a believing president then i'll i will i will submit to authority you're missing the biblical idea notice he's not even saying in this verse he's not saying when the righteous rule he's saying when it goes well with the righteous the city rejoices listen it's not just the city The church rejoices. The community of saints rejoices. Now we know and we are believing in the reality that one day the Lord's people, the Lord is going to come again. He is going to take his people home. And we are going to a perfect kingdom where there will be nothing but righteousness. We will not have to worry about whether or not a hypocrite or someone, the wicked is trying to deceive us or destroy us. It will all be perfect. We will be rejoicing for all of eternity. But folks, imagine what it would be like if it did go well with us as righteous now. You'll notice what he does say on the, the flip side of this. He says in verse, the second part of verse 10, when the wicked perish, there is shouting. Now this verse is a little bit peculiar because this shouting, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a word that is used in association with rejoicing. It's used in association with hallelujahs. And I believe Solomon had at heart and in the context here, he's looking and thinking more towards when the end of sin is put away, when sin is completely put away. And here's here's where I'm going with that. It is not that we desire that the sinner is destroyed, but we as believers are looking forward to the day when sin is destroyed. Listen, if, if we were to uh, li- list the sins of society, the sins of society are the breaking of God's law. You understand that when we look at the law of, of a nation or the law of a country or, or, a, or a state or a city, it's based upon the moral law of God. That's why crimes like murder are illegal from a secular standpoint, but they're also, if you let me use the expression, illegal according to the laws of God. But isn't it interesting that Romans 13 also teaches us that God has given the authority of a government to take the life of someone who has broken the law, a law of the land but he's not given a, the right to individuals to take the law into their own hands. You say, why does that matter? Because anything that does not line up with the moral law or the law of God, yes, we as believers, we despise that. But also understand this. There are many things we look out in society and we say, listen, the way some people act, the way certain things are, we don't agree with that. To be prejudiced to one race over another does not line up with the law of God. And I'm not going to go into that, but we're seeing that on a lot of different levels in society today for various reasons. But notice it says wickedness perish. It will perish. It will will go away. There There is coming a day when there will be no wickedness. But then look at verse 11 in this fifth heading, blessing exalts. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. So in two verses, verses 10 and 11, we have the city rejoicing and we have the city exalted. The city is exalted, why? According to the scripture, it's exalted by the blessings of the righteous. Either physical blessings Or spiritual blessings. Listen, when when people are blessed with temporal things, the place they live is better for it. If we looked out on our society today and we saw people doing overwhelmingly good things towards one another... The entire place in which that person lives, the entire city, is benefited by that. You know, it's interesting. We, we at our house, we watch, the, uh, we watch this, this daily briefing for the state of Ohio every single day. And every day we're reminded of doing something good. Now, this is not getting into the reality of the, uh, the spiritual condition of the leaders and the authorities and the people there, but there's, there is this, uh, there's this pleading to do good to one another and to do something good for somebody else. This says, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, Listen, the righteous, the believer can make the very place in which they live better, even in small ways. Even the poorest of poor will benefit in some way from the blessings of the upright or the blessings of the righteous. Notice he says the city, the city is exalted. The city is all the more blessed as a result of the blessing of the upright. Folks, we are in fact, if we are children of God, we are blessed with spiritual blessings. What that means is, spiritual blessings mean we have the gifts and the grace of the Holy Spirit of God. If anybody can do good, it's believers. It's believers can do good, why? Because of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the grace that the Holy Spirit gives us. Listen, when we, when we as believers hear uh, authorities and government take steps, and we might say, wait a minute, I don't agree with that. I disagree. We ought to be graceful about it and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's try to understand. They're trying to do good, it's so important. So very important that we understand that by the blessing of the upright, Solomon says, the city is exalted. It's a, this is a, a picture back to uh, the blessing of even what the uh, what the gospel would bring in the day of our Lord. What the apostles had during the time in which after, during while he was here In his human body without ceasing to be God, but even after he ascended to the right hand of the Father, the apostles were carrying the greatest blessing that society could have ever had. The society had the ability to hear the gospel, they were exalting Christ. And during this time, that's what we ought to be, is exalting Christ. Listen, we're having to use unconventional means. We're having to do things we never thought we'd have to do. And you might say where you are that uh, there's no way my city, my town can be blessed by anything. According to the scripture, it says, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. The, the principles are Here. By the way, that's either in temporal or possibly spiritual things. God is the reason we can rejoice even in a crisis. God is the reason that we can even rejoice when everything that we know seems to be taken away. But let me caution you that we still haven't had everything taken away. As the nation that we are, blessed beyond measure. When things, quote unquote, return back to normal for us, there are still people, millions of people all around the world who have much less than what we have even right now, what we're dealing with. And yet, there's a reason that a city can rejoice. It rejoices because things are going well with the righteous. Imagine if all the righteous decided, hey, it is going well with us. We can rejoice even in our inconveniences. This final statement, notice he says, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Evil corrupts. A city is overthrown by corrupt communications which proceed out of the mouths of the wicked. Now, there will be people that will say immediately, well, that's where we are. Everybody in authority is wicked. Everybody in leadership is corrupt. That's not true. There are people who maybe not even just, they're not even righteous, who do truly desire the good of a society. Now, the greatest thing that can happen to them is that they would repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and would be saved. But they're not hypocrites. The hypocrite is one who's intentionally doing it. There is real evil in the world that is intending to destroy. But we as the church have got to get to the place where every time we're inconvenienced or every time we're, 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 we're pulled out of our comfort zone that we think somebody's trying to destroy us. I can't tell you how many times I heard the argument that they said that's why some states was covered. They're closing the churches. is just because this is their opportunity to silence us. Now, are there wicked people in the world that they, they want to have that happen? Absolutely. But then there's the reality. The reality is, is that sometimes we need to understand that God does put wisdom, and he puts wisdom in rulers and authorities, even if they're not just righteous rulers. We have people all across this world and this country who think the only time we're ever going to get things right is if a believer is in such and such office. Here's the interesting thing. Nowhere in scripture does Christ even say pursue public office. He doesn't say make that your goal. No, he says preach the gospel but what does that mean to us? Because the saving knowledge we have of God, even if we're never in public office, we can have the discernment to understand, listen, they're trying to do good for us. And when we rejoice, the entire city rejoices. Now somehow, way, there are people, and this is again, this is how we can overestimate goodness. There are people that no matter what good comes, they will always be filled with obscenity and be filled with evil. There are people that you could do the very best thing possible in the world for them, and they would still say, There's something wrong with this. That's where we don't fully comprehend the depravity of man, how bad man really is apart from the righteousness of Christ. They lie, they cheat, they steal. They might even bring the judgment of God on an entire city an overthrow of the entire city. Study throughout history, study biblical history, and you can see the results of one wicked ruler brought down the wrath of God upon an entire city. But friends, I think I had to warn us tonight about the reality of how that can happen even in a church. Where a false doctrine can get in, it can it can destroy the entirety of that congregation. They can be corrupted, they can be destroyed simply by not knowing the false doctrine that was allowed in. We look at this picture and we think about this tonight and we consider and we wonder for the most part, I think if you were to go out in our society, whatever town you live in whatever city you live in and we could all go out into our neighborhoods and maybe they would tell us not to do this now, but we could, we could find people who are generally referred to as good people. But you have a hard time finding people saying, I have a great concern for the wicked. Now it's true, there are always going to be a few enemies to the righteous. There are tr- certainly going to be people who are truly enemies of the cross. There are always going to be people who truly despise God. They despise anything to do with godliness. And they are, and mark my words, they are intentionally doing everything they can to keep righteous people out of places of authority. But understand something, that for the most part, there are people out there that they want to see goodness. They don't even have a faith to lean on. Yet they want to see goodness. They want to see something that's good. Can I challenge us with this thought tonight to think about it? When we look out on our society today, we look out even before all of this took place. There are people who are looking to see how it goes with the righteous. They are watching. They're watching how the church is responding to all of this. They are watching how we are, what we're doing, what we're saying, what we're speaking, and how we're handling our, ourselves. And to stand up and defiantly say, we're going to do our own thing, is not doing it according to what the Word of God says. Now those of us that are members of this church, you know the stance we've always had is that when we're told you can't preach the truth of the gospel anymore, you're told you can't preach the Bible anymore, then we're being told to do something that we simply cannot do. But at this moment, in this hour, no one's telling you to stop preaching the gospel. Now your doors might be closed, but no one has told you to stop doing good. No one's told you to take the opportunity to use whatever means you have to get the good news of the gospel out. You see, I don't think we understand the role that we can have. When it goes well with the righteous, again, what does it say? The city rejoices. When we are put in a place where we can do good, it's better for everyone around it. You say, how do we we apply this? I really think that's the personal side of this. I think that's the reality of how do you apply it? How I apply this might not be exactly the same as it is for you, but understand we're doing this based upon the promises of God and the knowledge that we have of Christ. Listen, we want to see people converted. We want to see people repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. If that's not our burden, we shouldn't even call ourselves a church. That's what we want. We want to see righteousness in government. We want to see righteous things in place. But understand that even in the midst of a a society that doesn't appear to be holy and righteous, the righteous can still do good. And according to these principles, the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, and the, 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 when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. I hope tonight, I hope we'll understand the realities of, look, this is still an opportunity for us to do good. What if, what if, what if it would not be safe or appropriate for any church to gather again physically For a year. I've already heard churches say. We can't do that. My question to you would be. Why not? Because the reality is. Is God has put us in a place now. With opportunities. That maybe just maybe. We never would have had before. Oh our our family. Myself personally. I miss our church family. A lot of our church family. Watching right now. I see you. We miss gathering together. But I'm also very much challenged by the reality that even during this time, we ought to be rejoicing. And when we believe these promises, when when it goes well with us, you say, preacher, it's not going well with us right now. If we understand who we are in God and who we are in Christ, it is going well with us. It's going very well with us. And I would challenge us and challenge myself right along with you that, yes, we want to see righteousness exalted. We want to see righteousness in places of authority. But understand, we can rejoice even in the midst of a great calamity and a time of distress because our God is so good. Our God is so good. He's the same God, the same goodness that he was The day before all of this started becoming a reality to us, God's always been good and he will remain good. As we finish tonight, we're going to finish with just a time of prayer and then we'll have a a closing hymn. We'll begin to play here in just a moment. But as we pray and, and then just think for a few moments. I want us just to think about our situation wherever you are, whatever town God has you in, whatever state you are, if it's right here in Ohio or somewhere else, I want us just to think about our own walk with God and whether or not we are, we, whether we are doing good and whether we can say, I am rejoicing with the righteous. Father, we thank you for this time we've had in your word. And Lord, now as we prepare to uh, just bring this broadcast to an end. Father, I pray that we would not easily forget the truths that we've heard tonight. Lord, I'm certain uh, that everything that could have been said has not been said and spoken. But I also know that your word is what we need to heed. And Lord, these verses, they are powerful truths. They were great reminders to us. And Lord, I do pray that you would give us strength in the days and in. in weeks, and maybe months ahead, or that you would help us to understand that as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we cannot be defined simply by whether or not we can gather together in a meeting house. Father, we know that's part of your plan, the assembling together, but Lord, for this time and this hour, you have sovereignly ordained this, I pray that we don't fight against it, that we simply trust and move according to your will. Father, help us to see our opportunities. Help us to see our opportunities with family, opportunities with neighbors, within our own households. Father, we do pray for our, we pray for our leaders of this state. We pray for the leaders of this nation. Nobody looks out and says that what they're facing is easy. Lord, I thank you for the long hours and the time that's going in, and I'm sure there's even prayer being offered as to what to do next. I pray that you'd give strength and encouragement to the leaders that you have appointed, and Lord, we know you have divinely appointed them all. Lord, help us to be submissive to authority. Lord, we realize the promises and the principles of your word that we ought to obey God rather than man, but help us to understand we cannot use that out of its context. Lord, help us to see that you've put rulers and authority in our, above us for our good. And Lord, even times when we don't agree, we may wildly disagree. Help us to understand that our responsibility as believers is to submit to that authority. Father, I'm convinced one of our great problems as a church today, not just this church, but believers in general, is submission to authorities. Help us all to be humble and meek and lowly. And Father, we do pray that our cities and our nation and our towns and states, we do pray that uh, as this, this virus goes through, Lord, we pray that there would not be many deaths. We pray that, Father, through all this, there would be many souls saved. But Lord, help us today, this very moment, this hour to do what we can do. And Lord, help us to go about doing good. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Christ's name I pray, amen.